my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast by Beach Commute. Today you've got me and Jeff. What's up, Jeff? Hey, what's going on? (laughs) Oh, you know, just the use. Today you guys are in for a really special treat. We are digging into Jeff's full story today. So you've heard a lot of podcasts. If you're new here, well, welcome to the first one. But if you've been here for a while, you've heard Jeff and I uh, talk a lot about all sorts of topics on digital nomad life. We've also interviewed a lot of guests on our podcast to talk about their digital nomad journeys, but you actually haven't heard the full story of Jeff, Diego, or myself, of how we actually came into digital nomad life and our work and job stories and, and all of this. So today... We're starting with Jeff. He's got a really amazing, fun story, I think, on how he sort of came up into the world of remote work and marketing and his career and transitioned to Beach Commute, and we're going to dig into it. So, Jeff, any um, words of saving grace before I just dig into your story? (laughs) No holds barred. Let's just, yeah, let's let it all loose. And actually, you know, it didn't even really occur to me that I'm kind of a weird person until I talked to our friend, Mike Dane, who's, who's been on the show, said, you've got a, the weirdest background. Like, you were an electrician, you were chased by bulls as a mosquito technician. And then I reflected back, I'm like, I kind of do have a weird background. It, it was just me. So it's just, like, normalized in my life. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did those things. But when I tell people about it, they're like, what in the hell? How'd you get here? (laughs) Like what kind of, so I I took a very backwards path to becoming a remote worker. So I, yeah, I'll just answer questions. It's nice to be in the backseat and not interviewing for a chance for, for a change. So I'll just, I'm just going to let you steer it wherever you want to go. I'll just answer. Yes. I love it. And I know your story pretty well, so it's going to be a fun one. And we're just going to jump right in. So for for you listening, we're going to start just a little bit of Jeff's early background because I think it's important to hear where he started. And for you listening, maybe you've got a weird background or a really unusual start that will inspire you to say, if if Jeff can do it, <laughs> I can do it too. Sorry, Jeff. I love Jeff. I love to poke fun at Jeff. Um, so we'll start there, talk a lot about his <laughs> remote career experience and transitioning to where he is today. But okay, start us off, Jeff. Well, actually, before I jump into your early story you've been traveling full-time as a nomad or working remotely for how many years now just in case someone's new to your life here i've been working remote since 2017 and then i started traveling around probably yeah about four four and a half years ago or so perfect all right so just been a nomad for a while so let's rewind and talk about where you started your career. So talk about, like, you graduated from high school. Give us, like, the quick bullets. We won't spend too much time. But, like, what was your life? Where were you from? <laughs> what were you doing? Give give us the, the the what is it, the bird's eye view. Born, born and raised in Northern California, just north of San Francisco, about an hour, hour and a half. And I was, I was like, Hermione from... Uh, from Harry Potter, like I was the I was the book nerd. I had like ex- Tell me accelerate, accelerated classes, high GPA, all that kind of stuff. And then 
17 hit and I discovered partying and I just went <laughs> off the fucking rails. There was, there's probably a four to five year gap that is literally a gap in me, like in my brain <laughs> Blackout of just, gap of of just brain. nothing. Yeah. So everything, all of the correct path that I was taking, I, I pulled a full 180 reverse, went in the opposite direction and just kind of went off the rails for about five years and just partied. And during that phase, I was an electrician for a while. I've been electrocuted six times. Um, I went six? to college and dr- makes a lot of sense now, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that dead stare in my eyes every now and then, that- where I just kind of go into screensaver mode for about fifteen <laughs> seconds. That's one of those six electrocutions. Um, I went to college and dropped out. I went to college and then stayed. And during that period, I was also a mosquito technician. Um, but I would say, but, yeah, between seventeen to twenty-two. Just a bunch of random crap happened, and there was no direction. There was like eight different directions, and most of it was led by partying for the most part. So that (laughs) kind of is the backdrop for 17 through 22. Did you ever – I actually don't know this now I think about it. Did you ever get your college degree? I did, yeah. It it took until – I, I guess I was 22. I was working as a mosquito abatement technician, so I was out in the field killing mosquitoes during the day. And then I was taking college classes at night and still screwing off. But then I ended up taking this class. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to this professor named Roy Gattinella. He used to be the VP of marketing for Virgin Records, got bored, made his millions, got bored of being uh, a marketer. And is like, I'm just going to go teach students at the local JC. And he did. I went into the class with him and JC, for those who don't know what that is, a junior college. It's just like the local public junior college. You, you pay. I don't You don't even pay like you pay for books and you get it. It's it's like as cheap as you get. I'm like, ah, whatever. I'll give it a shot. I'll take this marketing class with this guy. And he drives in his Porsche, like parks his Porsche right outside the front door. And he's got himself his own like scooter business. That's like right down the street from that as well. Um, and I take this class with him and he is basically teaching like marketing branding. It's this combination of math and psychology. And he's teaching it in such a way that I'm just like, oh my God, this is it. It just clicked in my brain. I'm all, this is what I have to do. This is the perfect combination of things that actually make sense in my brain. You know, when you, when you do something (laughs) random in your life where you're like, oh my God, I actually get this. This is something that actually makes sense to me. That actually yeah. made sense to me. So I decided, all right, from then on, I'm done screwing off. I'm going to go, I'm going to go whole hog. I'm actually going to finish this degree, which would be the associate's whole hog. degree. That's a phrase. It is. It's a, <laughs> yeah, you're from the city. I'm not from the city. So, it, well, <laughs> oh my God. so, uh, I, I've finished that degree, the associate's degree with, almost two degrees on accident. So I got my associate's degree and I accidentally almost got a second degree because I'd been there so long. I was like, they, they nicknamed me doctor at, at work because I, I think I went to the JC for like seven years or something like that. And then oh, I job. went into the full four year, the uh, the bachelor's degree program at another school. And I just knocked that out in two years. I, I got back up to, you know, my smarts. I got up to like 4.0 GPA and then graduated with a marketing degree. So moral of the story, you two can fuck off for a while and still (laughs) come back to a successful digital nomad life. Jeff is 
showing you that it is possible. And I love that. And it's really cool how just one person and hearing the right thing at the right time, the right story like this professor had can change everything for you. So maybe if you're listening to this podcast, maybe Jeff is that for you <laughs> listening today. Okay, so walk us through Jeff. Um, one of, this is a story that I love of you've been in school for like a zillion years now. You've been an electrician, you've been killing mosquitoes as your job. Um, so not the, you know, typical like white collar job, you know, that a lot of people think you have to have a start to become a professional, to do well in life, to travel, to make money, all of that. Um, you decided, so you learned this marketing thing, started to click in your brain, you decided you wanted to do it. Tell us how you kind of talk about an internship that, that morphed into a job and morphed into sort of what you ended up doing for a really long time. Uh, but to me, it's a really inspiring story. So if you could share, I think you know the one I'm talking about, of like walking, like parking in San Francisco, all of that. Tell us how, how you sort of like shifted into this next uh, sort of career phase of your life. I graduated at 27, I think. And I, I knew. We all go on our own schedule. <laughs> yeah, right. Island time, right? California time. Yes, uh, yes. I graduated at 27. I knew in order to get into marketing, I wasn't going to get handed a job. There's no way. So I, I knew I was going to have to take some sort of unpaid or like really lowly paid internship, which is what I did. I got an internship in San Francisco as a marketer and I was getting paid 200 bucks a month to work there three or four days a week. And the commute down from where I live down to San Francisco is pretty significant. You actually have to drive across the bridge. You have to use a bunch of gas money. It ended up costing me somewhere somewhere in the neighborhood of about $45 a day just to go back and forth and eat a Subway sandwich, which is the cheapest thing I can get. It's $5 foot long. So I was like, <laughs> I would eat half a sandwich in the morning and then the other half of the sandwich at night so that I could like maximize the amount of money that I had. Uh, and I would park all the way up in Chinatown, which was like uh, probably about a mile and a half walk downhill and then uphill at night. Because it was only 11 bucks to park there. <laughs> Walked uphill both ways. It was only snow. one way. I'm not, <laughs> I won't give you the full dad story on it. But uh, yeah, it was only 11 bucks to park there. And I'd get in at about 6.45. So I'd leave in the morning like 5 o'clock, get in at about 6.45. And I'd, it was it was an amazing feeling. I remember just like walking down the street, you know, when a, the city's still kind of dead and you're early, you're, you're up before everybody else. And you're like, oh, man, I got an early start on the day. This feels great. And I'd walk along the sidewalk, and I, I looked really close to where the office was. I looked into this one place called Bob's uh, Bob Steak and Chops House, something like that. And people were having these really fancy breakfasts in there. People dressed up in these real impressive suits. And it looks like these people made it. These are like really successful business people in San Francisco. And I kept walking by there every day thinking, well, someday when I'm when the moment comes, I'll know I'm going to go have breakfast there. And I'm going to be one of those people. And I walked by this place for years and years and years. But anyways, I was working as a, as an intern. And I, my hopes was that they were going to hire me and pay me actual money before I ran out of money. I just had like a couple thousand bucks saved up. And my entire plan was use my savings and drive down there and work and cost myself basically like 500 bucks a month Uh in the hopes that they'll hire me before I run out of money. I, I, when I think back of it, I'm like, wow, 
had so much more courage back then <laughs> than I do so now. So much courage. And, but but I didn't but I didn't care. I was I was so excited. It was I was so happy because I was I was doing what I wanted to do. I was wearing a suit every day. I was like, wow, this this is oh, so It's like my nightmare. <laughs> but it was so not me. I had to at one point too. I'm sure yeah. you back in your corporate days. Yeah, you had to Yeah. I, uh, but I wore the full suit with a tie and all that stuff. And it was cool because it was so not me. And it was so weird for my friends to see me because it looked like I was dressing up for Halloween because I worked outside. <laughs> I worked outside my whole life. I worked with my hands. Like, there was no point. Yeah. There's no point in my life where I ever worked inside. So I would right. walk into this office and I'd get and sit in the chair and all of a sudden, you know, my back started hurting. My eyes started hurting and I started mm-hmm. getting really antsy. Like I'd sit in my chair and I'd bounce up and down like a little kid because... <laughs> I wasn't used to it. I wasn't used to sitting in front of a computer all day. So I'd have to go and take walks yeah. around the building. And I remember at this one point thinking, I don't know if this is the life for me. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can work in an office because I'm just, I'm going stir crazy. I'm losing my mind. Right. Uh, but eventually I, I settled in and then I got a job. They actually paid me, I think, $47,500 as my first salary. And I thought that was a lot. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I got a real salary. This is pretty cool. Uh, and that was, awesome. 10 year, that was uh, 11 years ago that happened. So, so much has changed since then. Yeah. So give us a quick run through of, I suppose, next I would love to know. So you worked for a little bit for this company. I think you switched. Mm-hmm. But talk about um, maybe just a, a quick talk on the switch, but then how your job accidentally became remote. Yeah. Okay. So I switched over. I started working for Brafton, which is a content marketing agency, almost exactly 10 years ago. And I came on as a marketing strategist. So basically, a marketing strategist is just somebody who like manages accounts, basically an account manager. I had 40 accounts and I was responsible for putting together like the SEO strategy and the content marketing strategy for all of these clients. Uh, That's a lot of different accounts. There's a lot of different <laughs> accounts. And this was back in, this was back in the mat. It's like the wild, wild west days of content marketing where we were yeah. for some clients literally creating 200 articles per month per website. And it, nobody was ever intended to read this garbage. Like this was, it was basically, if you read one of these articles, it was like if you put a, a dictionary in a washing machine and whatever words fell out, you just like put it on a page and it was, it was just words. It was just like word soup and it was just all for SEO. And that's basically what content marketing was then. And our job was to put together an SEO strategy. Just in case someone doesn't know what that is. Oh, yeah. Can you just say what SEO stands so for? So the whole point of SEO content marketing strategy is search engine optimization. And the idea is that you're going to do all these techniques like the dictionary, washing machine, word soup thing was all just an effort to get you to rank really high in search engines for specific keywords. So uh, say you sell widget A, right? You want to show up in position one for widget A. So people click on you, go to your website, and then they buy all your crap. That's what we did. And that was like, this was the wild, wild west days of that. It was unregulated. Google's algorithm wasn't that smart. <laughs> so we could do whatever we wanted to do and people would just hand us money. They're just like, we don't know what SEO is. We don't know what content marketing is. Take my money and do those things because we want these things to happen. <laughs> that was literally yeah. that was literally what happened. It's like, it's like when the first car came out and nobody knew what a tire was and they went to the mechanic and they're like, 
just make this thing do stuff. <laughs> and, and we just made things, we just made it work. So I did account management. You've come a long way since Yeah, then. <laughs> and I did, uh, I did the SEO strategy as, well, as much as you can do for 40 clients where they're getting 200 word soup articles a month. But I started to get a feel for it. I really, really liked it. Like the combination of like psychology and math and all that kind of stuff. So I took uh, a liking to SEO and I started moving up in the organization. I, I got promoted over the next 10, uh, actually, I think over the next five or six years, I got promoted about seven, six or seven times to the point where I became chief marketing officer, which is the highest position that you can get at a company. Um, it's the C level aside from becoming a CEO. And I actually got promoted when we were in Bolivia with you back in 2019, I think something like that. Yeah. So yeah. 2019, that was over like three, three years ago or so. And I think it's fun. Like just as I listen to your story or for, you know, if you're listening here to go from, you know, killing mosquitoes outside as, as your livelihood to, working hard, getting this internship where you're actually losing money by driving and parking each day to getting a job, getting a new job and getting promoted so many times that you're now traveling the world. And yeah, Jeff and I were together with Diego actually as well, the three of us in Bolivia, all working remotely the day that Jeff got promoted to CMO, like Mm -hmm. while he's traveling the world, while we're in South America, like having the most epic adventures. Um, And it's just so cool. So if you could talk about for a second, so you actually... A lot of what we teach here now at Beach Commute is is saying, how do you um, intentionally get a remote career? You can do it a lot faster. There's easier ways. Remote work is much more common now than it used to be, and we show you exactly how to do it so you don't have to take as long as Jeff did. But it's still fun because I think you, know, you and I and Diego were so ahead of the time to start when we first started this. But to back up, you sort of accidentally became a nomad. So at what point, I know your company sort of went remote, you were home, but can you just kind of tell that quick story mm-hmm. of like, why did you even start traveling and how did you even get the inspiration to do so? The accidental digital nomad. That might have to be, that might <laughs> so, yes. be an official title. <laughs> the accidental digital nomad. Yeah. We're teaching you all to become intentional, <laughs> purposeful digital nomads. Jeff did accidentally. So Fell into it. yeah, let's, let's hear your accidental, story. Accidental, non-accidental. It's kind of a kind of shades of both in this in this one but they did shut down the office back in 2017 it was a satellite office anyways there's just a few people going to the san francisco office and we downsized so it was like four people left and they looked at the rent prices there i think they're charging three thousand bucks a month for a little glass jar that we were working out of and they're like no that's it we're not doing this anymore and they said all right you're all working from home we trust you to work from home and i said finally fuck yes this has been my dream for years <laughs> i can work wherever i want no more suit no I more want. costumes no more no. suits yeah, yeah yeah no more suits and i thought to myself <laughs> oh you know what and i got a salary boost because i was now director of marketing um and so i moved out to the east bay a place called walnut creek it's um it's basically where uh oh boy how do you even explain walnut creek it's this weird dystopian hell it's basically where you've you've got all of these (laughs) really really rich dudes and housewives and the housewives just spend all day going out to yoga classes and buying really expensive food and the rich dudes drive around their porsches and nothing else happens there's nothing out there i'm like i'm gonna go move out there because i'm making i'm making good money i want to be one of these people i moved out there (laughs) and uh within uh within i I remember it was within a week and a half of working remote out there i hated it i was 
absolutely depressed as hell. And I learned a lot about myself during that period. I'm like, I don't, I don't know why I, I am getting everything that I want. I've got a higher salary. I've got a really prestigious position at a large company and I'm working remote. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And I'm not feeling fulfilled in the least bit. Like this is absolutely awful. So later that year, I'm like, you know what? I think maybe I need to travel. I need to get out of the house. So I moved down to San Diego for a month. I rented an Airbnb and I'm like, maybe I just need a change of scenery and a little bit of travel. And I got down there and then I was like, I still feel alone. I still feel this, this sadness. I, I still feel really, really unfulfilled. So I don't, I don't know what to do about this. And so I get back to Walnut Creek and I'm just kind of rolling it around. I'm like, man, this life sucks. I'm not happy. And I told my boss, what if I move out to Boston and you guys put me up at like a a corporate apartment and I work out of the Boston headquarters where the company was headquartered for a while. And I just see how that goes. I come into the office again for a little while and just see, see how things shake out. And I went there. It's like, okay, this was like a little bit of a stopgap. And it's like, all right, well, I'm still not quite feeling fulfilled. I go home six months later. I tell mom, I'm moving in. (laughs) I say, mom, I'm moving in. She's like, okay, uh, when? How old were you at this point? Um, let's see. This was 2018. So I was 33. I'm moving in and I sold all my shit. I sold the Walnut Creek house, sold all my, my spandex, sold the Porsche (laughs) and, uh, I moved back in with my mom and I started trying to work things out again, just not sure what was going on. And, and then at some point something clicked where I was like, I'm just missing people. I need to be around people. I thought that I was like an independent introverted type of person, but I absolutely am not like I thrive (laughs) in social environments. (laughs) And then I saw, um, actually before that I'd gone to Medellin before I went to Colombia just on vacation. And I remember I was telling my friend, like, I want to come down here for, I want to take like a sabbatical and live here for like three months. Cause I really, really like it here. And I feel like this is a, a comfortable place where I could spend some, some really good time. And, uh, I remember thinking back on that flash forward a couple of years and I was thinking, well, what about this Medellin thing? Maybe I could go back down there. And I did some searches for traveling to Medellin and I saw Wi-Fi tribe and the advertisement said, come down here and spend a month here with other remote workers who are also working online and work for a month with them in a shared house. I'm like, Oh my God, this is exactly, this is exactly, (laughs) this is exactly what I need to do. I I need to, I needed two things. I needed to be able to travel. And then I need, I also needed to be able to be around community with like-minded people. So I signed up for it. And then within like 12 hours, I get a response back from Diego and he's like, hey, you're you're ready to go for an interview. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. And then <laughs> 12 fast. hours afterwards, I talked to Carol, and he looks deep into my eyes. And he's like, <laughs> he, he asked, like, the most personal questions, and he, like, probed deep into my soul. <laughs> in your Wi-Fi tribe interview, you're saying? Yeah, my Wi-Fi tribe interview. Just probed deep into my soll. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some words that may or may not resonate with who you are as a person. They basically like picked out the most of five important, crucial words that define me as a human being. And I'm like, yes, that's me. I'm like tears on the phone. And and then I just got an email right after. It's like, you're approved. You can go to Medellin in two weeks. So I'm like, oh my God. So I, I booked a ticket to wow, Medellin. Wow, that's fast for you. And then when I did that Wi-Fi tribe chapter, I was like, this is this is everything I need. This I didn't know this is what I was missing in life, but... In order to be fulfilled, I need those two things. I need community of like-minded traveling type of people, and I need to be traveling. 
So with those two things, I'm like, this was back in, what, uh, I guess, three and a half years ago. I said, okay, this is my new life. This is how I'm going to live. And whatever I need to do to do this, I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's so interesting. You've got one day, I feel like in the future, we'll, we'll do a podcast at some point, but like the depression that you went mm-hmm. through and like you've, you've overcome a lot. And I think just as I was listening to you tell that story, you know, getting the job and getting a certain salary, so many people often think like, that's what's going to make me happy. And it just proved like, yes, it's at a certain level, like that's nice to have and to meet your basic needs and your costs and all of that sort of thing. Um, but I just, I love your story because I know for you and for so many of us who we've met traveling, like that, I get goosebumps talking about it, like that community, the friends that you meet, the experiences you have, the adventures you have, like you just feel more alive and more joyful and more connected than, than any other way of life. And I talk, I've talked to you about this many times. I've talked to a lot of friends about this of just like, when I come back to the States, I I think it can be such a lonely place. Like you have to be so particular about, I'll meet up with my friends, like, you know, a week from now or two weeks from now, we'll do this together for an hour, this. And like, I have a lot of friends back home, but it's still, when I travel, like, I feel like I'm just surrounded by the most amazing people 24 seven. And I feel just more connected Mm -hmm. and alive than, than I think is possible than a lot of places at home. So I just, I love that you seek that out for yourself. You you didn't know you were exactly looking for it. It kind of found you Mm -hmm. and then it, it changed your life in that way, which is awesome. To prove that point, even of the, the material possessions and the, position of power within an organization as as being that was my goal that was 10 years back in the past I'm like i'm gonna be a powerful person yeah. in an organization and i kept walking <laughs> by that steakhouse and i kept thinking no nah, no nah, now's now's not the right time now's not the right time and then when i got promoted to cmo in bolivia i came back home and then i was walking by it one day i'm all oh today's the day and i walked in there like i'm like made I'm, it that's the moment i'm having breakfast <laughs> and i went in there and absolutely hated it hated everything about it <laughs> the food wasn't good i looked around and i saw this uh, it might have been the same dude i saw 10 years earlier wearing the suit <laughs> and he was uh he was having breakfast and he had a secretary there and he was just berating her she was just like treating him like like he was uh the, like a master and servant type of situation i'm watching this happen at like seven in the morning i'm all how do you treat like somebody at this at all? And how do you treat somebody like this at seven in the morning? This is wild in this place. And I, I, I remember leaving there thinking like, this is the last place I want to be. This is not who I want to be. And I didn't even feel bad. I left there. I was laughing. I was actually laughing out loud as I walked out the door. So I'm like, this place sucks. <laughs> this is, yeah. this is not what I wanted I at all. I forgot you had that feeling. So I, I knew you at that point. Mm-hmm. We, I had come into your life and I remember actually now that you say that that you were like I'm doing it I'm going to the breakfast place Mm -hmm. and then you were like that was terrible (laughs) like but it's funny to see how those visions that you have and so many of us I think we have society's dream you know especially in the states but anywhere of you know you do this and you get promoted and you get the corner office and blah 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 and you wear the suit and it's not the life you want and so I love that you've pivoted so much and Jeff I I can't even imagine you in a suit Jeff has like five (laughs) different t-shirts half of them are like marketing logos on them um but yeah you're just such a different person and such a yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, but just like such a joyful, different person than it sounds like, you know, that, I don't know, wh- where you were back then. And it's neat. So 
Can you talk about, um, I want to focus for a second for people who are listening, um, whether it was CMO or director, just kind of throughout your time at Brafton or working remotely while traveling the world, um, what was it like to work for a company? What were some of the great things and what were some of the hard things of, of being an employee and, you know, Mm -hmm. you're receiving the salary, which is awesome, but just what was it like to be a remote employee while traveling the world instead of just from your home in California? It was life-changing. I mean, it was, I can't. I can't imagine having not done it. To be honest with you, I I don't know what I would have done. I really don't know what I would have done. I would have been really depressed and I, I probably would have done something different, but it is, it's like the idea of taking air away from me now that I reflect back on it. There's no way I could have not done this. And I was super lucky. Uh, the company let me do this. I The first time when I went to Medellin, I just wrote a, an email to my boss. So I, I worked directly for the CEO. That's, he's the only person I answered to. And I said, hey, I got this opportunity to go work in Medellin. Uh, time zone's closer. Actually, I'm going to be on the same time zone as you. So we'll actually have closer <laughs> meetings. Yeah. And you know, I, I pitched a little bit, but I didn't even need to. He's just like, go do it. Have fun. And ever since then, he says, yeah, just make sure that you, you know, I trust you to get your work done. This is not a clock in, clock out type of job. If you just do your job, uh, show up for meetings, be available during normal business hours, you're good to go. And so that's exactly what I did. And so I had the freedom to do what I needed to do to, to be able to travel, to meet these new people that are like-minded. Uh, and I had a, a trusted, I had a salary, like I had a guaranteed salary every single month. So I had the two things that I really, really needed. So my company Brafton gave me everything. Like it was, it was great working for a company and traveling was insanely doable. A lot of people think it's not doable, but once you have that, that initial hurdle, most of it's just the hurdles that you don't have to worry about the taxes, the visas, all these weird things that people think they have to worry about. It's just talking to your boss about it. It's usually just having a very straightforward conversation. Like, I I can be, you know, t- just try it for this first month. Let me let me do this first month. Prove to you that I can do this. That I can still be the same responsible person that I was working from home as I can be working from an apartment, my new home in this new location. And then let's see you know, where we go from there. So I did that, and everything worked out fine. And from then. I, you know, I worked from deep in weird parts in Romania, Czech Republic, uh, uh, Vienna, Bolivia, Bolivia, like most people can't even find Bolivia on a map, but I'm, I was able to make it work in, in all of these locations. So yeah, Brafton made it really, really easy and accommodating for me to, to do these things. Yeah, I love it. And I think just my, my takeaway from this, if you're listening, is one, I love that you talk about the reliable salary. That's one of the biggest mm-hmm. things we'll talk about in a second. Um, most people, once you become nomad, you start to meet other people who are running their own businesses and they're entrepreneurs. And it's like, wow, that's another level of freedom that I'd like. And that's the next progression. But to start to become a remote employee, it's just it's the quickest, fastest, easiest way to start traveling to have that income because as an entrepreneur, it can take months or years before you start making money if you, if you make money. Right. And so I just, I love that you were able to do that and to have the freedom and to keep getting promoted along the way. Um, two questions for you there. One, what was a pinch me moment? If you can think about some time where you were, I mean, this happens to me like daily as a hmm. nomad, but 
Can you tell us one time where you were just somewhere in some country working remotely and you're like, how is this my life? Like, what was one of those moments for you? I first one that comes to mind is immediate is the first time I went to Medellin on the Wi-Fi tribe chapter. So the first official like working and traveling with a group. I actually skipped along the street. Like people actually skip. You know, it's like it's not just an expression. I did that the other day. I was really people happy. actually <laughs> skipping is actually a thing. I actually skipped, and I, I was just remember thinking to myself, "My God, this is this. I can't believe this is real. This is everything that I want. I feel so so light right now. You know, like I'm. I, I feel I feel completely fulfilled. This is this is incredible." And then another time, what was it about uh, being there that was so special? Like, if you could think back, was it just like being around a different culture, different food, a different scene, like what, or combination, like for someone who's never maybe had the experience or lived mm. abroad or had one of these moments, like what made just being in Medellin so, like what made you start skipping down the street? Really, um, <laughs> if you could Medellin's great. Everybody, like if anybody's listened to this show before, I've, I've raved about it because I love it, but it wasn't really Medellin. The reality of it was, it was just traveling as a backdrop, being in a, in a new place as a backdrop, but the main thing was being with a community and being able to like walk around that little area within Medellin and seeing all my friends there and being able to just drop in and be like, Oh, I'm going to have a coffee with this person and chat about this or or talk with this person about that. That's a good reminder that people make such a difference to me. I always chase the places. I'm always like, I'd I'd like to, it's kind of like a reason for me to get somewhere, but if I'm there alone, it's never that cool. It's always the people that you meet and the other mm-hmm. workers or travelers or local people or whatever experiences you have with others is, yeah, it's it's so amazing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I'm working. I'm not working for possessions. Like, I'm working to buy that. I'm working to buy that freedom. I'm working just to buy my time to travel and to work on the things that I want to work on. That's That's really it. I'm just working for freedom. Yeah. And freedom, I love that you touch on that. Um, I, it's not a value I knew I needed when I was younger mm-hmm. or that I was ever conscious of until, I don't know, maybe my mid-20s when I felt so unfree at my corporate job as well. But really, I think people who chase digital nomad life and and these different levels of, it's, it's different levels of freedom. You know, I think back to my career when I only had two weeks of vacation a year and I could hardly get, you know, maybe if I was lucky, I'd leave the country once a year, maybe. And I remember I took two months off and I was like, I will never see, I I went to like six different countries. And I was like, if I keep traveling the way that I have been, or should I keep working the way that Mm -hmm. I have, I'll never be free enough to see the world. And I didn't know at that time that digital nomad life existed. So to me, as we think about this, getting a remote job, which, which we help you do in our course, that can help you travel the world. It's really saying, how can we give you your freedom to be anywhere in the world? Like, yes, you might still be working or a certain amount of hours or certain days, but you're free to be geographically in new places and have new experience. And it's kind of that next level, you know, a level past that is entrepreneurship, a level past that is passive income. But this is really the first step to to buy yourself, not buy yourself, to provide yourself freedom. And I think you're a great example of mm-hmm. that. 
Um, quickly, Jeff, what were some of the hard things? So I think one of a lot of the feedback we hear about this podcast is like, you guys are honest <laughs> and we love to share the real truth with you. So we share the wonderful things, but tell us some. So as, um, as an employee, what are some of the difficult things, whether it's like, you know, certain times or calls you have to be on or making sure you have more solid Wi-Fi than someone else might need? Like what were some of the difficulties as you look back and you started traveling while having a full-time, you know, CMO, like a big important job? Easily, that's the hardest one. Actually, I just had an interview with uh, Danny Burton who's going out uh, today. He echoed the same problem, like working working with other people and especially with my job as CMO. I had to be on the phone all the time, like a minimum three to four hours a day of audio and video. So I'm actually doing like video chats. It's mandatory at the company. And uh, having good internet, um, having a quiet place was always the biggest challenge. So there, everything else, like navigating the cities, figuring out the language, all that, nothing compared to trying to figure out that system <laughs> where I could get consistent internet and still be able to go to the places that I want to go. Because sometimes you want to go to, you know, some outskirts of where you're traveling and maybe spend a couple days out there. And I've been in situations where it's like, you know, dogs fighting in the background and internet cutting out. And it's a, it's an <laughs> awful feel. It looks so incredibly unprofessional when you're already entrusted to travel and then your internet cuts out during an important phone call. So that is, that has easily been the biggest challenge, but that challenge is like gradually going away. It's like, there's places that I can travel to now that I wasn't able to go to just two years ago because the infrastructure yeah, is just, changed so much. yeah, it's, it's so much stronger and you can start taking calls in places that you were never able to take calls. Maybe I can start going to beaches more often, which make you happy. Hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, because typically I just avoid beaches because, well, two things, I don't like sand and I don't like bad internet. And, <laughs> and generally those two things go hand in hand with beaches. Well, the sand, the sand is still going to be there, Jeff, so. <laughs> I'll have to work on that. Maybe there's going to be some sort of system where I can have like a sandproof suit or something. I don't know. But uh, that's, yeah, it's it's usually technology-based is, is probably the biggest challenge. Everything else is just, really everything else with traveling is just figure it out as you go. Like you'll come up with solutions to stuff. There is n- there is no like uber prepared situation. Shit's just going to happen and you just you just work it out. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that truth. So recently, Jeff, you quit your job. You are doing beach commute and some other SEO stuff Mm. full time, which is exciting. So again, I I think just as we look at this, to me, fastest, easiest, quickest, most reliable way to get an income, become a digital nomad is do a job for a company Mm -hmm. like you did. So how many years you said, how many years were you at Braft in total? 10, 10 which is wild. Yeah. So we want to give Jeff a big congratulations. You put your time in and have now progressed to a different level of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us what it was like just to, to quit and the, the mindset and like what you were seeking in this new level of freedom. I must have driven you crazy with these conversations because I, I, I had these dreams for a long time of, again, like I was talking about, I, I'm basically trying to work for my freedom. And part of that freedom was... I had all of these ideas of building my own things. Like I had all these thoughts on I want to I want to help people learn search engine optimization. And that was that's been in my mind for such a long time. It's like one of those things where it's in the back of my mind like you have to you are built to do this. You are meant for this. <laughs> Jeff is really good at it by the and way. And <laughs> you're just not doing it and you're just like fighting 
you're fighting this this natural stream you're fighting the tide and you have to do this kind of thing and i just kept putting it off putting it off and it just was like eating away at my soul knowing that there was something out there that i'm meant to be doing and i wasn't doing it so that that was one of the things that i it, again freedom like i i left so that i could take the freedom to do something that i knew i had to do and the other thing here was this was this beach commute and it, because it's so important to me like i said this fulfillment that i get with traveling with friends because that was so important to me i knew that when i talked to you and diego about this concept of helping other people do this thing that um, changed my life. It's it's still, as I say, the most important thing I ever did was taking that first trip to Medellin ever. The most important thing I ever did, um, helping other people realize that as well. And then hearing their stories that are kind of, you know, similar to this one. Those were the, those were the two main things, the two main drivers that made me say, all right, I need to, I need to buck up and I need to take this, this leap. And you know, like out of working with so many people taking this leap, I stood at the diving board for like 10 minutes while everyone's in the pool <laughs> yelling at me to jump, you know? It, 10 minutes, two years, whatever. you know, same, same. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Nobody's counting. Uh, but it, but I stood up there for, for quite a while just fighting this this need to do this thing that I knew I needed to do. And then it, it finally happened of May of this year. And, um, now that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm just doing those two things. And yeah, I took the plunge and like the biggest, the biggest fears that everybody work, runs into is that secured paycheck for sure. But saved up, saved up some cash and I take some, I take some work as I need it, which is fine. Um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm working on the things that I want to work on and it's exciting, you know, because I am still doing, I'm still traveling. I still got travel plans coming up throughout the end of the year. And I'm still working on, and now I'm, you know, working on things that are mine, that I get to own. I get to own a portion of this beach commute thing. I get to own a lot of this podcast. Like, who do we want to interview? What do we want to say on this podcast? Um, and that's exciting for me. What I love about that story, Jeff, is as you talk about that, and I think about all of my clients that I've worked with over the years who want to take the leap, whether it's becoming a digital nomad or starting, you know, leaving a corporate job to try a, a different corporate job or to start their own business, is that everyone kind of has to go at their own pace. And so many people will say, like, just jump off the board, like, cut, burn the ropes, cut the ties, like, do everything tomorrow. And some people will tell you, you know, do take something part time, do a side hustle, do something on the side while you do it. And there's no one right way. And I think um, for you, it really has been about three years since you've wanted to do this with us, like full, full time, leave your job. But there are a lot of it is, is security and you had to, you know, save us. You had a goal to save a certain amount of money, to have a certain amount, to be making a certain amount before you quit. And everyone has a different comfort level. But what I will say to anyone listening is understand like what is it that you need to have in terms of savings, in terms of a side hustle, but don't stop. Like keep taking action to get one step closer, even if you keep your full time job, even if you have two part time jobs or you're trying something new and like go explore what that salary looks like, but go travel because there's so many people. Oh my gosh, who will write to us and say like, this all sounds great. I can't wait to do this. I'm going to do it in two years from now. And everything in me, you know, when it comes to travel, I'm like, but what? Like, why not just get a remote job and at least have the option to start today? Even if you 
you know, you're waiting for a kid to graduate for six more months or you have a sick parent who, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Like at least like learn from us, get the job and then, and then you can make it, you have the freedom if you want to leave tomorrow or a year from now. But so many people, I just, I can't tell you if you're listening, please, please just get the remote job and have the option instead of saying like two, three years from now, this is going to be my life. Like do it now. There's, there's so much life to live now, but any other thoughts, Jeff, as, as you look back on your whole story or for anyone listening who's on the fence or says, you know, I'll do it in two years, I'll do it in three years or a year from now, what would you say to one of those people? You're going to die soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> you are. You're going to die soon. Okay. I, I'm going to die soon. Okay. Um, and I can't think of <laughs> not too anything more regretful than having something that you want to do that you just put off to the point where like you're you're not able to do that physically you're not able to do that and also like i said you are going to die soon why wouldn't you do it now there's you're just going to the time between now and when you do it is wasted it's like it's like commute time <laughs> it's like you're sitting in traffic but you don't mm, have to you don't have to I sit like in traffic analogy. you can you can get off right now and you can gain 2 years of happiness or you can sit there in just stalled out for two years and nothing happens. You're in a nothing period. You're just in this, you're in purgatory until you make that decision. It is fair. I kind of forgot. Kind of I felt this way, but I remember when COVID, that was a little dark, but you know, hey, we're, we're going there today. <laughs> Listeners, we are going there. Um, I remember when COVID first hit several years ago and, um, you know, we weren't, couldn't travel really anywhere. Everyone was kind of locked in their homes and we really didn't know, you know, it might be one year or forever. So, I mean, likely it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be forever, but we didn't know if we'd ever travel again or live or what was going to happen. Right. And I remember so specifically thinking to myself at, at right in the beginning of those, those COVID days of saying, if I never traveled again, or if life ended today, like I have fucking lived <laughs> and I have no regrets about my life. Like I, you know, I think I'd been to like 70 plus countries, met people like you, met people all over the world. Like I felt it wasn't that I don't, you know, there's so many more places I still want to go and experiences I want to have, which I will continue to do. But I just had this feeling like I, I have been living, like I have really these last five, six years of, of full-time travel, like I have taken advantage of every moment of being where I want, having the freedom to do what I want and live where I want to live and go to these new countries. And it was just really cool to realize um, that I, that I wasn't living with regret. Like Mm. I was fully living And To me, it sounds like you're, you're sort of saying that same thing for yourself now as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it just, I got lucky, I guess, because like you said, I kind of accidentally became a digital nomad, but then I intentionally pursued it once I got a taste of it. Uh, so it's yeah, yeah, probably a a little easier in my path than some, some people because it, it fell naturally. But, um, like I said, it's just talk to your boss. Like it's the easiest, it's the easiest way to do it. (laughs) Um, and, um, also uh, I just recently was, uh, looking into like, what does it take to get remote jobs and looking at jobs, job boards and stuff. There's stuff everywhere. There is stuff everywhere. People are shocked and they, they're always thinking, I don't have the right skill set. A lot of jobs, you don't need any skill set. People are looking for virtual assistance for everything, literally everything. I need somebody to manage my social media profile. Like you, some things you need no skills to do. So it's like, 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's so so much more doable now than it was five years ago. Like it is just just do it. Like it's 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 a lot easier. And and don't like I I marinated on it for like three years to to take my next plunge, which was, you know, getting the full full freedom of of working on the things that I want to. But I can't imagine doing that with working remote, especially not now. There's really there's no excuse to not do it at this point. Yeah. And it, it, there are a lot of logistical things to set up, but once it's, it's just some of those initial hurdles. And once you do it, it's just so easy and to have the choice and like, you can, you can go back home at any time. Mm-hmm. You can get an Airbnb or rent your house for, you know, part time. You can go home and spend time with friends, but it's just something about having the choice and then taking the leap and having those experiences abroad. It just, it changes you. And you can hear it in, in Jeff. He's come a long way since his days of just not remembering five years of his life and <laughs> blacking out. But we still have fun. We definitely still have a good time yeah. while we travel. We'll the moon every now and then, <laughs> for sure. It's still, it, comes, it comes out every now and then, but uh, no, not, nothing like those first, <laughs> those first few years. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, Jeff, any last words, anything left in your story that you feel needs to be shared with, with anyone listening? Oh, boy. I mean, I guess we could get to ayahuasca in another episode, huh? That's probably a whole. That's probably a whole another segment. There's a whole. We should. There's a whole. We need to do it one more. Give us a thirty second. What was ayahuasca? What was the meaning to you? Uh, should it be like a preview into another episode? Yeah. So like. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So this whole podcast is meant to be really, really authentic, and my authentic truth was I went into ayahuasca because I wanted to come off of antidepressants, which I got prescribed on when I was 17. And they just kept me on them for like 16, 17 years. Like, here, have this one, this one, this one. They're just like throwing them out like candy. And then sure enough, it got hooked (laughs) on it. But in order to do an ayahuasca uh, experience, you can't be on any of those things. So you actually have to come off. So I ended up coming off of them to do this ayahuasca experience, which I can't can you explain in you, like 20 seconds what ayahuasca, ayahuasca is? Ayahuasca is a, like a natural DMT uh, hallucinogen. It's transla- it actually I think it translates to the vine of death, right? Because it's not like a hallucinogen where people <laughs> think, uh, oh, yeah, like party drug, like, you know, like LSD or mushrooms, like fun. It's not fun. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. It's like, yeah, it's it's work. Like it's It's like emotional, physical even work. And it's meant to help you find answers to problems that you have in your life. And one of the problems I had in my life was trying to get off of these drugs that I've been thrown on for the past 15 plus years. So uh, as a result of doing that, uh, doing that ceremony, I was able to get off of antidepressants uh, amongst other things that I realized with it, which was, which would be another 20, 30 minute segment to discuss. Cause it was, <laughs> yeah, I, I, we don't have time to talk about turning into a mechanical tarantula and launching fireballs out of my hands. <laughs> at the moment uh, story for another yeah, day yeah 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 story for another day yeah perfect well jeff and i yeah we did a five day ayahuasca well it was like three nights of it but a five five day sort of bolivian ayahuasca ceremony and um it was yeah it was a big turning point for you it was a really cool moment and and myself as well mm-hmm. we both went through a lot of really deep dark stuff and came out of the other side and cool anyway well jeff thank you so much for sharing that um it was 
yeah, such a such a big part of your journey and just your progression. I think with everything, I love you know the coaching that I do and just the friends that I make. It's like self development and career and mm-hmm. life, and that's to me what digital nomad life is about. It's like it's not just career and then living life. It's it's really blending all of it together. And you are living life, sir. So thank you for sharing this journey. And I hope if you're listening that Jeff's story inspired you in some way. Feel free to write to us if you can relate to any part or want to share a comment on anything with Jeff. Feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. And also, if you're like, all right, I hear Jeff's story. What's the right remote job for me? I want to live this life too. Check out beachcommute.com slash 91 to get a list of 91 jobs that digital nomads in our community are doing. And with that, thanks, Jeff. We'll we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.